Hey guys, it's Jimmy. Before we get going with the show, I wanted to let you know that we are on Spotify now, so you can find us there. We can't actually share the link because they break when you share them for some reason, but we're on Spotify. We also are taking submissions for questions and comments and concerns from you guys, and we'll read them on the show. You can email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com. And finally, the biggest thing you can do to help us out that we really need is some iTunes reviews and ratings. So if you're a new listener, which we had a big bump of lately, it would be awesome if if you'd head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, that's all I got for you this week, so let's get out with it. Welcome to episode 36 of Fear Frequency, guys. It's me, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today, I hope, is George Frizzard. Are you here? Uh, hello, it's oh, me. Oh, he's here. Hello. Cool. Uh, so, as I just said, we're on Spotify. It's pretty dope. Yeah, that's cool. It's, uh, it was actually a pretty painless process to get on there. I'm surprised it went as smoothly as it did. Yeah, it took uh, Jake and a- uh, Andy, like... Uh, two months i think to get on there it took us like three days that was pretty cool i think uh final boys are on there too now oh nice so congrats to them Uh, another thing that i wanted to mention though is that i will be at the midsummer scream horror convention on july 28th and 29th it's down in long beach i think and the reason i'm going is a i got a press pass so that was pretty cool and b uh, Ryan Turek is bringing his Slashback video video store to Midsummer Scream, and I went to a Nerdist party at the place he had that set up around, on Halloween, and it was really cool. So I'm excited to see the additions he'll have for that. But yeah, if you're going to Midsummer Scream, definitely let me know. I'm on Twitter at Jimmy Champagne. Just let me know, and uh, we can uh, meet up. Uh, that's all the housekeeping, though. How's your week going, George? Uh, it's going pretty good. A uh, little, little bit rough. How coming. hot is it in Michigan? <laughs> uh, it's actually really hot. It's hotter now than it has been in a while. It's damn. Been like at least ninety pretty much every day. Dude, on a Friday here, it was one hundred and twenty-three degrees. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like no shit. Me and Austin had to run across the hall to SunSquared's office and like hole up in there because our air conditioner is so fucked that. If it gets too hot and, like, starts, like, uh, like, if it has too much of a workload, it'll start blowing hot air out of the vent. <laughs> that so seems counterproductive. <laughs> yeah, because our studio is a loft, and there's a skylight right above. It's angled directly at me, Austin's back, and my face. <laughs> and it just, like, bakes you, dude. It is, it's bad. But I was hoping that it would kind of cool down. But all the heat ended up just moving from where I work to where I live, basically. Like, because I work about 40 miles from where I live. So the heat just traveled west from where I work. And then on Saturday, it was so hot here. Uh, We just got a window air, or not window air conditioner. We just got a portable air conditioner. And my girlfriend and I slept in the the living room on the futon because the air conditioner is out there. And it has, like, a hose that goes in the window. And when Kelsey got up in the morning, she fucking knocked it out. So it was just blowing hot air (laughs) into my living room. So when I woke up, I woke up because I was, like, dying of heat stroke. And it was, like, 105 degrees in the apartment. Jeez. So I left for a few hours just trying to find things to do. I, like, went to Michael's because they have the Halloween stuff now. I went to the grocery store and, like, purposely did laps. 
Yeah, just, was just like looking for something running... to stay cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I came home and I like beat Fortnite basically because you don't play Fortnite, right? No, I, I don't. Okay, so there's this thing they do. It's called a battle pass, and it works like with the actual season. So every real season, it changes. So the summer one is about to, or the the fourth whatever it's called season is about to end, and they give you weekly challenges. And this one had ten weeks of challenges, and I was like, I'm not fucking doing any of those. <laughs> but I just I wanted to get some of the skins that come with the battle pass because if if you like unlock the skins. You can't buy them. Like, they, they're yours, and then if you miss it, they're gone forever. Uh-huh. So, I I wanted this one skin that you got for doing all... Or if you did seven out of the ten weeks of challenges. And then Saturday, dude, I just hit it fucking hard. <laughs> and I ended up uh, doing all seven weeks worth of challenges in one day. Damn. <laughs> so, that was kind of cool. And then I've been digging deep into Fallout 4. I completely missed the settlements the first time through. So, I'm having a blast with that, and I've been... Uh, Dicking around in the glowing sea area. And I still need to do Nuka World and uh, the other DLCs. There's like three DLCs I didn't do. Yeah, I haven't played uh, any of the DLC for that game. But uh, I recently, for some reason, decided to restart uh, Red Dead Redemption. So that's what I've been playing. How does that look on the One X? It actually looks really good with the 4K patch. It looks like a game that could have come out this year for sure. It's funny, the Xbox One X, I think, was totally worth it because obviously like i have a 4k tv but the reason i think it's worth worth it is because of how many older games i've played in 4k and how much better they look yeah i mean that almost makes it worth the price alone if it, if you're a guy who wants to go back and play uh, yeah like last gen games but upgraded because it, it depends on the game obviously but some you know some of these 4k patches look really good dude so they're fixing master chief collection Finally, they're adding 4K patches for all the games and, like, fixing all the bugs with the multiplayer and everything. And I really, really hope that part of that includes uh, Reach Remaster. I would yeah. play the shit out of that I again. I definitely would play that again. That game's, like, six hours, and it's all six of those hours are great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm getting incoming transmission through uh, my AirPod. Uh, it sounds like <laughs> Dr. Loomis screaming. Do you hear that? Uh, yeah, I, I hear that, too, all the way from Haddonfield, Illinois. It's so weird how he dies every Monday. We get to hear it. <laughs> the last sound he ever uttered on film. We got a Halloween alert. So we have two meh alerts and one really cool alert. So we'll get the cool one out of the way first. Our friends at Dread Central reported, they like regurgitated something from an interview Jason Blum had, where he insists that the new Halloween is uh, not a reboot. He said, the way, to pe- the way to get people interested is to not reboot. The term makes my hair stand on the back of my neck. What we're doing with Halloween is, I guess I'll use the term reinvention. Reboot just sounds so corporate. The way we attacked Halloween was to go after what we've done with a lot of other movies. David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are not known for horror. Jordan Peele was not known for horror before Get Out. So I think we've had a lot of success mixing genres of people, not the movie. The movie's a straight scary movie. Uh, so that's that's like a really smart little blurb from Jason Blum. It sounds like he knows what he's doing yeah. with this movie. Yeah, it's good to hear. Um, happy to you know hear that it sounds like it's on track. That yeah. All the pre-release stuff sounds pretty good. Um, that first trailer that we talked about a few weeks ago looks amazing. So it's cool. I'm really excited for it. I'm really happy to see how it's been shaping up so far from everything that we've been getting lately. 
So right. I'm just waiting for that next trailer, trailer drop or whatever we get next, whatever next promotional material comes out. I think he's on to something with the hiring comedy directors to do horror movies. We talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago, but like Danny McBride nailed it when he said that timing is such a big thing in comedy and also horror movies. I think that was yeah. a really smart thing he said. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you see with Marvel, Marvel has taken tons of horror directors like James Gunn and Scott Derrickson and uh, DC took uh, David F. Sandberg and they're giving them these superhero movies and except for David F. Sandberg because we haven't seen Shazam, uh, they all seem to be making the best, some of the best Marvel movies. So if you can take a horror director and give them a Marvel movie or an action movie, I think you could take a comedy director and give them a horror movie and get very similar results. Yeah, it's interesting to see I think just having someone kind of from the outside looking in gives such a unique perspective when they do things like this that yeah. that different perspective is so valuable when you're remaking a movie or you know trying to have a vision of something that you wouldn't really expect. It's it's interesting to see how they take it and, and so far it seems to be working out pretty well. Yeah, my favorite part of the trailer was when the dog walked by and there had a huge <laughs> nut sack. That was the trailer for The Nun, Jimmy. You keep getting those confused. Oh, fuck, you're right. That's why they said stay till the end. <laughs> uh, so you got two more things. Or you got one You got one of the things. So I'll let you do this one because you seem to be pretty fired up about it before we were recording. All right. So uh, unfortunately, this very small, very low budget group has gotten together and they've set out with the goal uh, to make a shot-for-shot recreation of a few scenes from the original Halloween movie. The... Yeah. (laughs) They say shit rolls downhill, and that is such a, like, apt saying for the way you just read that. And I like how you started it with unfortunately. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, I mean, no disrespect to these guys, right? But... No, I'm not trying to say that, that they're not talented or, you know, that they couldn't make something good. But I think that the idea of trying to make a shot-for-shot remake of the original Halloween is just something so untouchable that even the thought to go back and try it with almost zero budget is such a bad idea. You're like, at that point, you're, it's like you found this brick wall that is a niche, and then you went between two bricks into the mortar that is also a niche. (laughs) And then you dug into the molecule of that mortar and found an even deeper niche to, and then made it and are expecting people to find it, A, and B, like it. I think they're fighting a pretty hard uphill battle. And uh, if you go on their website, it's michaeltoriginals.weebly.com. Don't even have a domain name. Already off to a great start. Yep. Uh, it's, they have some, some promo images. And the first thing I want to point out is that they picked people who already look like the characters they're playing in terms of hair color and, I guess, kind of facial structure. (laughs) But they put wigs on most of them for no reason. Like, why? Yeah, it's really weird. The one promo image that stands out that just right off the bat doesn't look very good is uh, the Laurie Strode with the blonde wig. Oh yeah, the wig. It's like that is a wig. That is that like is a, a dollar store wig that they put on this actress. <laughs> and you could do Laurie Strode with a wig, right? Because that's what you're looking at in the new Halloween. She's wearing a fucking wig, and it looks like her hair. So you can't even get that right. 
I mean, to be fair, these people are definitely working with a very, very low budget. Yeah, it's a, I gotta tone it down. It's something where it's, you know, it's something that the fans make because they want to remake this. It's something that it doesn't need to be remade, but they're, they are putting effort into it, and they have almost no budget to do it, so... I mean, good on, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm watching it July 20th when it comes out. Like, I'm gonna be there for it. I just feel like it's something that doesn't need to be made, and right. it's it not doesn't. going to be executed well because it's such a low budget. So, I kind of get their thought process though, because presumably this is a way for the actors involved to get their name out there. And like, what's the what's a good movie you could pick? to get people's like that's true faces in front of people yeah. who are watching halloween there's a new halloween coming out this year it was halloween was low budget as hell so they already are working with a lower budget than a low budget movie you know like they don't have a high bar to clear in terms of production value yeah uh, and it's like it's you al- said it's also 40 years old so yeah. technology's gotten a lot better like you could get some pretty awesome video with just your phone and it looks like they're actually using a dslr so yeah so i mean good on them for for attempting something this ambitious, but at the same time, it just is a, a fan project that doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, and speaking of that, there's another fan film coming out from the guys who made Never Hike Alone, uh, Womp Stomp Films. They're just kind of helping out on it. It's by Rennie Revis. I, I want to say Renee, but it's a guy, so I think it's Rennie. He was a producer on Never Hike Alone. He is making a short film that was originally announced, and the trailer had a bleeding pumpkin, which looked okay, but it used the Trent Reznor Halloween theme. So already, you're using music you can't use. <laughs> uh, so, I don't like that. But they released the full trailer today, and it uh, it does not look like it's going to be another Never Hike Alone. Uh, it looks a little cheaper. Uh, it doesn't, it, it honestly looks like, remember Mike Bailiff, our friend from Witching Season Films? Yeah. It looks like they watched his Witching Season stuff and then tried their best to emulate that. Yeah, and unfortunately it doesn't come out as good as his work for, because the intro to the Witching Season that plays before all the anthology shorts Oh yeah, he amazing. fucking nailed it, dude. Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Doing. Uh, also if you follow him on instagram he po- he's like working on his feature right now uh-huh. and he's been posting some really cool behind the scenes stuff and just some of his photography is insanely good like that guy is fucking talented he 100 percent has quite the eye for cinematography and yeah I he mean, knows what he's doing yeah he definitely knows what he's doing unfortunately uh, this looks a little shoddier and i don't know i don't know if we need all these like fan films around halloween I, yeah I, I get that it's a property that's gaining a lot of popularity right now because it's coming back. It's been a while. People are hyped about it. People want to talk about it. People want to put their their own personal spin on it. But uh, and I, I get where they're coming from. It looks like the plot for this is uh, an alternate uh, universe where Michael doesn't get his head cut off at the end of age twenty. Oh yeah, here. Let me read this. So the the synopsis they have on uh, Halloween Daily News says. This story would fall canon into an alternate H20 universe. My story takes place 20 years after the events of H20, so now, so very similar to the new Halloween. Let's say if the shape wasn't decapitated at the end of H20. This is the story of what would have subsequently happened. It's a self-contained short film. It's basically a third act 
cat and mouse short film. We are going to have a pursuit. We're going to have our protagonist bump into the shape at some point. It escalates, and then she's put in situations where she has to defend herself and stand up to adversity. Our main character's name is Hannah, and she's 17 years old. A, I want to say thank you to halloween daily news writer for <laughs> not fucking something up in this synopsis which is a weekly occurrence for some reason on every other site uh also this sentence though stand up to adversity what the fuck does that mean what what adversity are you standing up to when you're just running from michael myers like yeah it's weird because they say like he's gonna bump into the shape at some point and also fight adversity so is the shape not the what? adversity that she's facing <laughs> Yeah, dude, I don't get it. It just the as we talk about almost on a weekly basis, the problem with every all this Michael Myers stuff coming out is the more you add to him as a character, the more you ruin him as a character. You know, we don't we don't need all this extra shit. Just I get that there's fans out there that want to do this stuff, but they're they're only using the Halloween name because it'll generate a little bit of buzz. You know, just yeah. make something original. You guys proved. You can make something really cool with Never Hike Alone. And we both said you made one of the very best Friday the 13th properties ever. So it just seems like a step backwards to do this and do the same thing. You're really doing the same thing. Just take all the same people you worked with on Never Hike Alone and do something original. Like your talent is going to waste on something that people are already going to look at with a critical eye more so than they would if you just made something original. Yeah, I agree completely. I think this is just not necessarily the greatest idea. It doesn't seem like it would, from the trailer, it doesn't look like it's going to be executed nearly as well as Never Hike Alone. So I, I would prefer if they tried to make uh, an original slasher movie since yeah. they did kind of interesting things with taking the Friday the 13th ideas and kind of turning them on their head a little bit or adjusting them for the the vision that they had for it and i think they can do something similar to that um but it would be better if they had uh, an original idea and you don't even really ne- necessarily need to have too much backstory for the slash or anything it's just it seems like if they had good techniques or good uh set pieces that they wanted to use they can fit it into kind of a generic slasher mold and it would be yeah, probably yeah, better totally. than this you can make like a homage rather than a fan film yeah like fan Fan film just has such a negative connotation, but I honestly feel like it's sort of deserved. Like, it's. I don't want to, like, overstep here, but I just kind of feel like if you're seriously trying to make film, you. Sh- the fan film is a good place to start, honestly, because it means you're watching something, you're analyzing it, and you're pulling out the best parts of it and hopefully recreating them on screen. But. That seems like something you should try and move on from, you know? Right. You shouldn't fixate on it. It should be... They had a successful fan film that was, you know, based on Friday the 13th. So at this point, maybe take it a step above and make an original property or... Yeah, like of... they've proved... They've shown their talent. Exactly. You know, I just... It's frustrating. It's not like... I'm not trying to dump on it. I'm just... I'm frustrated about this move. Does that make... Like, is that yeah. fair? Yeah. It seems like you like we've been saying, it's, it's a waste of their talents and it could be something that they could utilize better if they just maybe, uh, you know, adjusted their ideas a little bit. Yeah, so uh, because of that, I am not too stoked. But it comes out October 1st on YouTube, so 
we'll be able to watch it. We'll definitely talk about it on the show. And then also we didn't mention that the other fan film, The Shot for Shot, that comes out on July 20th. So that one's a lot sooner. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, we got some things to, I guess, look forward to. <laughs> so next on here, I found this weird story. So if you guys have ever seen Creep, which George and I both have, we love Creep. We talked about Creep 2 on here. The, the house from Creep, I guess Mark Duplass owned it. He bought it for Creep, and he just sold it for two hundred and fifty grand. Uh, it's in California. It's in Northern California, and it looks pretty nice. Like for two fifty, like damn, dude, it's a pretty big house. Yeah, I mean, I just think I think it's weird that he owned it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a really cool cabin, and it like you can tell it definitely is the interiors that they used in the movie, and yeah, um, it like it was shot there. So uh, it's interesting to see that. You know, it was a house that he'd owned, shot the movie in, and I mean, honestly, it looks pretty nice in there. But I don't know yeah, if I'd it feel looks nice in the movie. I don't know if I'd feel comfortable living there after seeing the movie because you know it takes on such a different feel after you see Peach Fuzz walking around the halls and stuff. Do you think he'll leave a Peach Fuzz math math <laughs> mask in the bath? Is what I meant to say. Oh, I hope so. I hope there's just a Peach Fuzz <laughs> mask like in every room. It's somewhere. Yeah, I don't really have much to add here. I just thought that was no. A I, I think it's cool. It sold. I I, th- I thought it's weird that they would use the exterior and the interior. You know, like it was. Yeah, yeah. It's that's interesting. Yeah. So next on here, uh, Zachary Lehman uh, wrote a list over on Bloody Disgusting about ten horror franchises that are practically begging to be revived, and I thought we'd give our opinion on those. So first on here, George. Mm-hmm. He's got Blade. How do you feel about a Blade revival? I'd be kind of happy to see Blade come back. Yeah, Blade was one of those things where one was really good, and then the other one, and the, I think there was a third one, they didn't like them so much. Yeah, I think the concept of Blade having a uh, vampire hunter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of cool, because it can add a little bit of a darker edge. You know, if it's something that would come back as canon in the the official MCU, it'd be interesting to have more introduced supernatural creatures into that universe in some way. Yeah. And, I mean, I think Blade as a character is cool. And Right. Is, this guy's making a strong case for them to bring back Wesley Snipes and give him a send-off a la Logan. It is so different. It is such <laughs> a different situation, dude. Like, I disagree with that. Um, I know... Wesley Snipes is the reason that I heard that the sequels are so bad because he was just such a huge dick on set <laughs> and had way too much input on like plot and stuff. I saw something going around a few months ago with uh, John Boyega did a tribute to Blade where he got the same like the Blade haircut. That would be cool. Dude. And I mean, I think he's a really good actor. He might be my pick for the if they were to reboot it and bring it into MCU. I think he'd be good as the as Blade. There was something where he either, like, fell asleep or something on the set, and they just, like, moved his body around, or... Well, I think... They shot... What was the... There's, like, some rumor, right? Um, I think on Blade 2 and 3, Wesley Snipes was pretty much hammered for the entire... Oh, right. Yeah, that's what uh, ...filming process, and Ryan Reynolds is in the second or the third one, and he just said that it was a a bad, bad experience. (laughs) What if they got the, the dude from the... 
the first purge, the main guy, the gangster. What was his name? Uh, Dimitri. Dimitri. Yeah, that guy would be a cool blade. Yeah, I think he definitely would fit like the... Like an up-and-comer blade? Yeah, I mean, he definitely fits the physicality of it. He's ripped in uh, the first purge. Yeah, and... he, uh, he nailed the fighting scenes. He like he was so much better at uh, fight choreography than anyone else in the movie. Yeah, I think... We'll talk about more. Uh, he'd be a good fit also. I, I, didn't, yeah. I wouldn't think of him right off the bat, but I agree. He'd be a really good fit. All right, so this next one, I totally agree with. Final Destination. That shit needs to come back immediately. Yeah, we were just talking about this, too. Like, I think yeah. last episode that this would be kind of a, last fun, week. a fun series to bring back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this kind of um, horror movie kind of went by the wayside when Final, when the last one went. Like, we, yeah. don't, we don't get many movies anymore where... It's like a bunch of teens get together, and then they all get murdered. Yeah, we really don't. You're right. Uh, like, I know what you did last summer, and Scream, and this one, and all that shit. I, I miss that. That was always cool. Yeah, it's kind of a fun archetype that I think... And we got it with Final Destination, and that sucked. And Or not... What am I talking about? Fucking uh, Truth or Dare. And uh, Ouija. Like the, or uh, the Lazarus effect. Like, those are three movies where I feel like they tried to go for it, but they went too serious with all those movies. And they didn't play into the campiness. Yeah. And like Final Destination always did. Yeah. That's something that was getting kind of oversaturated in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was coming out like every year they were having one of these. But I think uh-huh. there's been enough time to let the let it breathe a little bit. And I think it could come back and people would be really excited to go to the theaters and see it. It's just such a strong concept that I feel like it needs to come back. Yeah, I agree. It's totally fun, and I would go every... I think it's, like, one of the perfect summer horror movies. Yeah, he's got Friday the 13th on here, but, like, that's an illegal battle, so I'm not gonna fuck with that. <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously, that should come back. I th- Like, some of these feel like you just put them on here so you could get to 10, but I want to... Going back to Final Destination, he says, uh, imagine the franchise having its reins handed off to someone like Darren Aronofsky. I cannot I think of a worse so fucking idea, dude. I would dude. hate that so like, much. Not, not, to call, not to call this dude out, but like there, there's many more people. Uh, he says Eli Roth could provide an appropriate sequel. Also would sequel. hate that. I, I don't know. I, I, I want Eli... I really want Eli Roth to have a comeback. Like, I really do, but I, I kind of agree with you. I really would love the guys who did Clown to make one. Yeah, I think they they would kill it, dude. Like they they got that dark humor nailed like perfectly. That the goes, what are their names? Clown. When did that come out? Twenty thirteen. Yeah, I was shot in twenty thirteen. It came out last year, like twenty fourteen. Uh, who the fuck are they? What are your guys' names? Or uh, if we could get Simon Barrett to do one. Simon Barrett to write one. Yeah. And Adam Adam Wingard, Adam Wingard to, direct to direct it. Yeah. Yeah, bring Adam Wingard back from Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, I think John they, Watts was uh, the director of Clown. Okay, yeah, I, I really yeah. like Clown, and I think um, that combo of Barrett and um, Wingard are, is really strong. I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, they didn't necessarily nail the good characters in Blair Witch, but I think in movies like The Guest or uh, Is Your Next them or. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was them. They, yeah, that was their big feature. Yeah, debut. and I think your next nailed it. So I think it's mm-hmm. like they're batting two for three. So I think they could nail it with another one. Yeah, it, again, Blair Witch. I don't know. I, I, 
I get why it's bad, but I think they I think they were on to something with it. Oh, completely. I don't I don't think yeah. I think it gets more shit than it I, than it does. I think they sure. could do a good sequel yeah. if they ever got the chance, which they wrote, so <laughs> But uh this next one on here list, I would definitely love a reboot of Candyman. Yeah. So Candyman is if you guys don't know, which you probably know, it's basically the Bloody Mary story, but a little bit different. Yeah, kind of a modern retelling. Yeah, you say Candyman three times, this guy's made of bees comes to kill you, and he has a hook hand. It's pretty dope. And it's got the Arby's guy in it. And he's in <laughs> Final Destination. I think this series kind of was squandered before it had the opportunity to really get good. I think the first one is such an interesting concept and is executed. Wait, there's more than one? Yeah, isn't there more than one Candyman? Have you seen it? The second one? Is there a second one? I'm pretty sure I, there's a second one. I believe you. I just didn't know. I kind of want to watch it if there is. I think... I'm pretty sure there's a second one, maybe a third one. I can. And it just kind of fucks. Like it's not good. Like, <laughs> as far as I know, they're not very good. But uh, I think the, uh, it's, the concept Candyman, of it. Farewell to the flesh, 1995. <laughs> Do we get a Rotten Tomatoes reading on that or no? Uh, I can get you one. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Reception, 27. Eh, pretty bad. <laughs> That's not. Eh, yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. Owen Gleibler of Entertainment Weekly gave it a D. Okay. Yeah, so it seems like the overwhelming general opinion is that the, the sequels are underwhelming. So if they could do a pass the torch thing with Tony Todd coming back, you know, and like he has to pick a new Candyman because, I don't know, he's dying yeah. or something. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd be into that. That seems that'd be a cool idea for sure. I think yeah. Instead of being like racist as fuck, like those Leprechaun movies got, <laughs> they could do a really cool like uh, black horror movie like this. That'd be sweet. They yeah. got someone cool like that guy from The Perch. <laughs> that guy's awesome. Cast him in some shit. Yeah, I <laughs> He'd think be great for a reboot of Candyman. Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like that dark horror, like the dark comedy horror movies, are kind of been mm-hmm. lacking lately. So it'd be fun to see something like this come back that's a little campier you can have some fun with uh more so yeah yeah than... you could do some really cool modern stuff with it i horror movies obviously fuck up social commentary a lot but this movie was really strong i think Southside chicago it had some like you know commentary on that i feel like you could modernize some of the commentary in this movie really well like really easily yeah i agree i, th- I think this one is definitely ripe for a reboot um he says the mangler. I don't know what that is, so we're gonna skip it. If anyone knows what the mangler is? Let us know. I'm sure fucking uh, <laughs> R.L. Slime knows what it is. <laughs> Should give a shit about it. Uh, Hostel. Ah, mm, I'm that, done with uh, that series. I don't. Yeah. I don't really want to see another one. The third one was so bad that I'm pretty much. I don't even think the first this, one's that yes. good. I just think the first one was so shocking and different that it stood out. The at The first time. one's like unwatchable now. It's so just like dumb it's so bad right but i'm saying the reason that series ever gained any popularity was just because it was something that was so oh yeah yeah hugely different and just kind of out there that it gained a lot of word of mouth and i don't think it was ever actually that good of a series i agree it's uh not that great i like when the girl cuts her eye off though and like the goop comes out of it yeah i do like that that's pretty cool it's a good gore part um he has toxic avenger on here that's already happening so skip that hills have eyes <clears throat> ironically i just watched the remake of hills have eyes 
and I watched the sequel because they're both on Prime. Mm-hmm. That that's one I think we could just you know keep in the ground. <laughs> You're not you wouldn't be too keen to see another Hills Have Eyes. The remake was already just so good that I don't think they'll top it, and mm-hmm. I feel like the the remake just told the story. Like I don't think there's much more to tell there. Like we already have five wrong turn movies, which are just Hills Have Eyes in a different location. And like campier and dumber, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like I wouldn't be upset if I got another one, but I'm not clamoring for it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd be like, ah, oh, that's smart. If Blumhouse did it, I'd be probably on board. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the last thing on here, I already closed the article, but I don't really care. So yeah, I mean, like we always talk shit about reboots and remakes, but the, if they're gonna happen, they're gonna happen. And I feel like this guy nailed it on a few of them. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think some of these are ripe for a comeback. I think some of them kind of didn't get their time to shine or uh, would, like Final Destination, would be something cool to come back and kind of yeah. revitalize that series since it's, um, it's a I good just, concept. I feel like if they brought that back it right around now, it would be perfect because there would be younger kids who would be into it, you know? Yeah. Like, make their parents let them go see it. And then there'd be people our age, like me and your age, that would really be excited to have more come back because i feel like final destination was big with people our age yeah more than the like older people that are running the horror game right now i think they're gonna wait a little bit to try to get that nostalgia factor up a little Uh bit more before they have us come back to the theater for it since they're still focusing on like 80s reboots at this point so i think maybe in like the next 10 years or so we'll see final destination come back yeah and then we won't care anymore yeah exactly so i got some good news here for you well i don't know if you actually like this or not but castlevania is coming back for season two on october 26th uh i am excited it's right before halloween yeah i i really liked the first season i mean i I did too i loved it i thought that the it it definitely felt like it was almost a trailer in a sense for like a full movie because it was relatively short and it ends on a massive like yeah, it, it's a two-hour total thing. Yeah, and it just ends like in the middle of the, the climax, basically. Right. So that kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth. But I think the animation style is excellent. And yeah, like when he whips that guy's eyeball yeah, out. Yeah, he whips his eyeball out. Like I think the animation is excellent. The story is very gothic, and the the art is amazing. And so I'm I'm just, I agree. I'm into that show for sure, and I can't wait for the second season. Yeah, and Warren Ellis, again, is the writer of Dead Space, so I'm glad that guy's still involved. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I thought the story was interesting, too. I just thought that it kind of sucked that it ended in the middle of the climax instead of being a complete story. That uh, Bloodstained throwback, like, 8-bit version for 10 bucks on Switch, that game's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of Castlevania, yeah, it's just like an old Castlevania with four characters. It's got, like, six levels or something. It's so worth 10 bucks. I'm into that. I... took me like four or five hours to beat it like it's a substantial game mm-hmm. hmm. i'll have to pick that the, up the actual bloodstain game kind of looks weird like it's got those big titty anime girls oh yeah <laughs> i just if that's your thing more power to you it's just <laughs> not my thing like i really like castlevania i like the what direction that was going yeah more than uh you know whatever akiba's strip <laughs> the vita game but the next thing on this news list is a quick one. NECA upgraded their action figure for the fog with glowing LED eyes. And this is the one that we talked about a couple months ago where Cavity Colors is doing the the like blister pack yeah. art. Mm-hmm. So this thing is even cooler. 
Yeah, and uh, I believe that that was our idea that they stole from us because we said they needed was to... Was that our idea? He had to wirelessly charge through his ass when he sat down. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Fuck, dude, that was our idea! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we said his eyes should glow. Shit! They stole our idea! I doubt he... Do you think he charges through his ass? Uh, I doubt it. I think that they probably came up with a different system because they don't want us to Damn, come after them for all their worth, but... I completely forgot. <laughs> but I believe we did say he should have glowing eyes or smoke come out of his mouth and should charge through his ass. Ah, shit. That's so funny. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> we'll have to go uh, back and review the tapes. That's hilarious, dude. No, no, you're right. I remember. <laughs> I distinctly remember you saying the smoke thing. Uh, and I remember the ass charging. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's one more thing I'm going to, like, stealth add on you right now. Yeah. So the major predator reshoots got detailed. I just saw this. Uh, I'm posting the link here right now for you on Bloody Disgusting. They have a report about it. So we talked about this, I think, last week. One of the big plot points of this was that they were going to have hybrid predators where it's like a predator mixed with a scorpion or a spider. Yeah. And they were going to be friendly predators that helped the humans fight off the like hybrid ones. And apparently the reshoots got rid of all that shit. So now it's just, there's one predator who's, like, normal, and uh, then there's going to be one or multiple uber predators. So it looks like the humans are going to team up with the normal predator to kill the super predator. Or predators. Hmm. What do you think of that? I don't know. I thought the other idea was kind of fun, personally. I thought the idea of fusing predators with other things to make more crazy creations was cool, but... I can see if they weren't, if they didn't look the best and didn't really serve a plot purpose, why it'd be better to just cut them out and maybe reshoot it to make the plot a little more cohesive. Yeah, yeah, they're, they apparently shot way more scenes to tie it to Predator 1 and 2 and even Alien vs. Predator, which I don't get how they do that, but <laughs> uh, I'm glad they're tying it into the other movies to make it a tried and true sequel. Yeah, and... I, I think usually reshoots are for the better in general. I think um, as much as I think the idea was cool to have uh, fusions, I think if the reshoots make it a better movie, make it more, uh, make the plot stronger or cut out things that were really weak, maybe they couldn't get yeah. the CGI completely right for them. I think that's better than seeing something not executed well to just I agree. cut it out. And- there's one character that's still in it, the Predator Dog, which is like a hybrid of a dog and a predator. That thing's going to be a good guy, and I'm almost positive it's going to be like friendly with the little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever on that. But uh, all death sequences involving the more prominent characters have been completely changed, and the final battle with Upgrade uh, takes right. place at night in the woods. So those are all good changes, right? Yeah. Like, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that sounds cool, for sure. So They are really committed to making this not bad. Yeah, I, I thought the first trailer looked pretty bad, but, um, I mean, the more that comes out about it, the more I'm in, coming back around, being more interested in it. So um, I'll have to wait and see what else comes out about it. Yeah, so uh, apparently you have uh, some uh, audio poster reviews for us this week. Yeah, so... There's a new Three from Hell poster Fuck. featuring Captain Damn Spaulding, and it is just another mugshot picture, so it's very similar to uh, the shirt that we were bitching about last week, 
that Sherman John <laughs> wears. And uh, got her titty on it. With her t- uh, Captain Spaulding's titties are not out. He looks Damn. like it's all in black and white, and it's a mugshot. But instead of it saying his name on it, it just says a Rob Zombie film, Three from Hell. And he's standing there with no makeup on, looking extremely old. Uh, yeah, very you know raggedy what? beard. That's the only person I'm excited to see in this movie. This he is like the only thing that makes me want to see this movie. He's my favorite character from. House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Like, he's great. Yeah. I mean, he definitely steals the show in two. What little Aren't there is. fucking funny? <laughs> Don't we make you laugh? But, um... Uh... So, it's a kind of mediocre poster. Um... It kind of gets me a little more excited, but not really. I'm just kind of... Yeah, I want to see a trailer. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that gets me excited is because I'm assuming he's going to be the best part of the movie, so... Mm-hmm. Just confirming that he's in it and alive is good, I guess. Cool. So, what's your score on that one? Uh, this is like a three, three out of, out of ten. Ten? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so we got two more posters though. So, uh, there's some fan-made posters, uh, based on the original posters that came out for Suspiria. So this uh, artist came in and kind of themed these to look like the original posters um but obviously for the remake and his name is <laughs> i'm definitely gonna butcher it again surya uh, yeah shikar yeah <laughs> you did it so uh sorry if i butchered that I think name that, i don't know if that's right but it looks right it looks right that's the closest i can get but these posters Good job, look... surya surya yeah these, these posters look really cool so uh, the first one is has some Japanese text or um, calligraphy going down vertically, and it gives uh, the different like studios involved with it. And it says in theaters November with the original Suspiria font, and it's all black until like the bottom fourth of it, where you see uh, so the main character's hair coming out with her hands looking like they're dragging on the floor below it, and it says tremble, tremble, the witches are back. I like that. That is really cool. Um, and I want to get that as a tattoo. Yeah, it has some uh, tattered edges around the side to make it look like an old book or something. And I think this is just really well ah. designed and just looks amazing. Gets me really hyped for the. It the looks reboot. like our album art. Yeah, it looks like the the original poster and the cover for the the Goblin album based on the movie. Hell yeah! So what's the second one? Uh, second one says, "Listen for the whispers." And then it says, Suspiria, directed by, uh, I'm also going to butcher this name, Lucia. <laughs> Luca. Luca. Guadagino. Luca Guadagino. Yeah. Luca Guadagino. And uh, I, I really like the color scheme for this one. It's kind of a pale pink background with just splashes of green and a little bit more like hot pink for some of the lettering. Yeah, I and- like that color scheme. Yeah, and uh, it just shows one of the main characters with, uh, looks like she's all wet and her hair's down, maybe a bit distressed, possibly out in the rain. Maybe that'll be part of the opening sequence of the film. But yeah. um, I do like, I like the listen for the whispers and the tremble, tremble, the witches are back. I think those are really cool taglines. And I just think these posters are super well designed. I'm surprised they're fan-made because they're really that good. Yeah, they, they should uh, use them for the movie, in my opinion. That's like those are all re- those are both great. Yeah, they're they're really well designed. I just thought 
uh, they look cool, and I wanted to give it a shout-out. And they even make me more excited for the movie. Yeah, that's, like, one of my most anticipated this year, dude. Like, no question. Uh, so, next on here, uh, we have something really cool. My friend Alex, friend of the show, Alex, who owns Broke Horror Fan, he's releasing Victor Crowley on VHS, and he nailed the price point on these. They're uh, 20, 20 bucks. Uh, you can get one of three versions. So there's a 300 limited version. There's a 150 limited version. And there's an exclusive one that's limited to 50 on WitterEntertainment.com. And it's signed by the artist. So they all look really cool. I don't know. I feel I feel like this is just a no-brainer. If you're a fan of Hatchet, you should just go buy this like now. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, first off, it's really cool that... Uh... Alex even was able to get these made to, you know, be able to convert, make an officially licensed VHS for a movie that came out in 2018 is just cool. Yeah, I think in and that's cool. Um, but the art looks great. Like you said, the price point is right there where it needs to be. And these are just a really cool collector's item. Yeah, and they go on sale on July 13th, which is Friday the 13th. So this Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at witterentertainment.com. And adamgreensariscope.com will be selling a limited amount of the standard and bloody versions autographed by Adam himself. So if you're a fan of, uh, you know, the Hatchet series, you should definitely buy this. And they all look really good. I'm, like, super happy that this is happening for Alex. He's been pretty excited about this. I've known about this for a really long time. (laughs) And I'm glad it's actually, like, finally happening. And, you know, if they sell really well... I don't, I don't know. Something tells me he might do some other movies uh, in the future. So you might want to go just buy one of these. And, I, dude, I actually have a VHS player that connects to HDMI. Oh, that's perfect. So I'm going to watch it. <laughs> watch yeah. it in VHS. That'll be really, really cool. I have two of them. <laughs> I got one from uh, Resident Evil 7 and I got one from uh, Outcast. Oh, nice. Both of those PR companies sent me HDMI VHS players in the mail. Damn. Uh, so, yeah. I totally forgot this next thing was on here, but we're going to have fun with this, dude. Last thing to talk about this week. So, guys, you know how much we love Child's Play here at Fear Frequency, and we are so excited for the TV show. We are stoked about Cult of Chucky and whatever's coming next, but MGM was so stoked that they fast-tracked a remake with a technologically advanced killer doll. So, Brad Dourif is not involved at all. Don Mancini is not involved at all. They might not even be able to use the Chucky name. So I guess the part of the reason that Don Mancini's like franchise child's play thing only comes to home video is because Universal only owns home video rights for the child's play franchise, but MGM owns the theatrical rights. And I guess they offered Don Mancini executive producer credit on this and he turned him down and brad duraf turned him down too so i feel like this is just going to be totally different like not even involved whatsoever i mean we have we don't have very much information to go off of um but it sounds like it was an idea that um they could have put the child's play name on but they also could ditch it if they couldn't get the rights to it you know what i mean it feels like something where they wanted an idea that could be fit so if they can get the, the rights and get the Child's Play name on it, more people will see it, obviously, because there's a bunch of diehard fans of the series that would go out and see it. But if they couldn't get those, they could still release it as just its own killer doll movie, call it whatever it is. And, uh, you know, because it, it really isn't that 
it, it feels like it wouldn't have to be that different plot-wise. You know, either it'll have the good guy's doll thing right. or it'll be just someone else. I don't think it's even... I don't think it's going to reference Chucky. I don't think there's going to be a good guy doll. I think this is going to be a totally original thing just that's just using the child's play name and also a lot of people were worried about uh the tv show and future movies don mancini universal confirmed that the tv show is still coming out and future movies are happening like future directed dvd ones so the actual child's play franchise is going to continue but this one's going to come to theaters and just be totally different yeah so it's just and a strange cash grab using the name it's stupid like they don't need to <laughs> reboot something that's still happening like that's it's just dumb also uh there's two producers from it on this movie which kind of makes me think they're gonna go for the you know 80s it style like stranger things Uh style vibe where it's more focused on the kids surviving and rather than them all dying horrifically yeah so i don't know seems like a big dumb fucking idea though yeah i mean I, i don't get the whole technologically advanced killer doll like is it gonna be small soldiers remake or i don't really understand the like is it <laughs> that's a, a deep cut ai based like what does that mean technologically yeah i don't know killer dude. Doll. i don't know i'm not excited for it just <laughs> i mean i'm i wouldn't even be excited for it if it didn't have any child's play name to it attached to it at all it just seems like kind of a half-baked idea i mean we don't have that many details yet but i don't know a technologically advanced killer doll just doesn't sound like a good premise for a movie. Yeah, and when I say fast-tracked, it's coming out next year. Like, they are starting filming this very soon. Like, this September, I heard, was when they're going to start filming this. <laughs> so there's plenty of time to, to make this a real quality product. I think they're just trying to get it out before Universal can come up with any legal way to stop them from making it. Yeah. You know? That sounds about right, right honestly. <laughs> it's just bizarre. It's just, what a stupid franchise that that Child's Play has become. Just like, I don't know. It's it's, it's stupid. Yeah. I'm excited for the TV show, though. I'm sure that'll be great. Uh, I, I honestly am excited to see what they can come up with for a 10-hour series for Child's Play. I want to know what the plot is, but I feel like it won't be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just, it feels so tired at this point. You know, there's a little bit of hope when, what was it, uh, Curse of Chucky was the first, like, yeah, first, first comeback, yeah, to the series. I actually like that movie, but... Yeah, that's a, that's a really good uh, movie. Everything after that has just really been, like, turning me off to the whole franchise, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm not Cult excited for this. Terrible. I'm not excited for the TV show, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kind of ready to put Chucky to bed. Yeah, take out his batteries. <laughs> So that wraps up the news. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about the first purge. All right, guys, we're back from our quick break here, and this week... We're talking about the first Purge. So, if you're a newer listener, George and I are both pretty big fans of the Purge franchise. We The first one's okay, but we both really liked two, and we both thought three was really good. Uh, but we weren't necessarily excited for this new one, because it seemed like it was just going to be a rehash. 
and that's exactly what it was. This movie fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> I, I'm not even going to pull any punches with it. This movie is terrible. I, I'm going to say it's easily the worst of the Purge franchise. Um, oh, by a mile. Yeah. Like, before they bottomed out at okay, this one is just awful. Yeah, this one had very, very little redeeming qualities. Uh, I, I have a few things to say about it that I do kind of like. So before we really get into... Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. dumping all over it. I'd like to say that uh, one of the things they introduce in this movie is um, the idea that people who that is a social experiment, the first purge. So yeah. they have these contact lenses that they're supposed to wear when they're committing crimes to monitor what's going on, and the effect in some scenes adds a little bit of creepiness. Um, it's yeah, just like a yeah, blue, totally. a blue ring in the eyes, and it's it's weird. Um, they sometimes aren't blue. They sometimes change color. They have no yeah, reference to they're green, uh, why they're they orange, change color. Blue. <laughs> um, there's no really indication. There's one scene where one of the characters is wearing these, the guy who commits the first kill on the first purge, and when he kills <laughs> someone, his the lights change color. And then, Skeletor? Yeah, when Skeletor kills somebody, they change from blue to red, I think. And then when he kills somebody else, they change to purple. But What? There's not really, like, any indication to why they change, and there's other people that change, and it's like, do the colors indicate anything? Are they just, they don't want it all to be blue? What, like, what is it? Um, I didn't even notice that. Uh, That's crazy. But, like, uh, I think there are certain scenes where um, there'll be, like, someone looking through a window, and all you can see is the lit-up eyes. And I think that was, like, actually generally added some kind of creepiness to the, the movie, and the weird thing is, it starts off as a pretty, like, the first, after you get rid of all the politics angle, after they explain what the Purge is, and you see one of the main characters, um, Isaiah, go out on Purge night by himself, that initial sequence of him walking around is kind of creepy. Yeah, when uh, the people are looking at him in the alley, and then they fuck it up with the, the yeah. ladies who... Yep. <laughs> this movie, for some reason, thinks baby dolls are scary. There's these ladies who are listening, who are, like, blasting 80s music with a shopping cart full of baby dolls that have... And teddy bears. Yeah, that have firecrackers in them. They're not even, like, C4. It's just so stupid and not scary and not even funny. It's just dumb. Like, it's fucking dumb. And... I did like the eye thing, but why don't they use those in the future? Like, why why did that go away? You know, you'd think they'd want to collect data every year okay. on the Purge just to know about it. Also, when Isaiah's wearing them, at one point he realizes that wearing them is kind of a hindrance because people can see you and they can come after you if they see them in right. your eyes. So he takes out his contacts because they want people to see his eyes. And then, at that point in the movie, no one else ever wears them ever again. Ever. Yeah, I did notice that. And there's this weird foreshadowing moment where there, there's something that happens where there's, like, blood on the floor at one point, <laughs> and then another character brings it up, and a character's like, oh, I thought I cleaned that up. And you think that's, like, some subtlety and foreshadowing, but it's just, a, like, an innocuous statement that for no reason. It's just, it's so and that's, dumb. And, and also, that's not the only innocuous statement that just is thrown in there that seems like, I don't know if they were trying, if they had a different yeah. version, but um, there's one scene, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but uh, Dr. Updale, who's played by uh, Marissa Tomei, 
is yeah she's wasted yeah, totally wasted, wasted. Um, in the movie for 10 seconds <laughs> uh, fucking so dumb she's in the main control center and she's analyzing the data since it's her idea to do the purge like it's her experiment basically to test yeah the human psyche while they do this is it good for people you know what what are the effects of the purge and so at one point she's watching the data and she's like huh it's weird it seems like people who wear masks commit more crimes or do more violent things and then they never do anything with that ever again <laughs> yeah they just wanted to introduce the idea that people wear masks during the purge because that movie is like this franchise has always looked for some sort of identity with that shit and i guess like the weird masks have become its thing so i want to explain it the other weird thing is i have no idea what uh, marissa tomei's motivations were whatsoever they do nothing to explain her character at all she's just there She's there. She's like, I came up with this idea. Like, sweet. Good for you. Yeah. So uh, we were so right about it just being a rehash <laughs> and totally wasting Satin Island as a setting. Yep. And you, this, this is the thing that pissed me off the most. So we t- they show this in the trailers where it turns out that, like, no one's really killing each other. There's just this one fucking psychopath named Skeletor <laughs> who's whole like his whole character is that he's fucking crazy he's a crazy guy he's who you should be scared of he is the best weapon ever (laughs) i just want to point out three syringes taped to his hand he never uses them ever he just looks at them like three times but anyways they introduce this plot point where the government gets upset that no one's really killing each other so they bring in soldiers and like ex-blackwater people and everything but they explain it so poorly that it's misconstrued as one of the groups is dressed up like the KKK, right? Yeah. So the way the movie explains it makes you think that they're not actually KKK people, but that the government made a, a soldier squad dress up like the KKK mm-hmm. to make it look like the KKK was coming in. Yep. Why wouldn't you just... Why does that need to be an element? Why wouldn't you just make the movie... Let me fix this movie really quick. So, Naya and Isaiah, take them out of the movie. They don't even need to be in this movie. Isaiah's, like, a cool character. I thought he did a good job acting. He doesn't need to be in this movie. Their plot line is stupid. It jumps between, like, three different characters at any given time for no reason. Dimitri, best character in this movie, best arc. I don't know why he wasn't in the movie any, as much, any more than he was, but this movie would be so much better if it was him versus neo-Nazis and the KKK. Like, they come in to uh, Staten Island, they come after these people, these real white supremacists, who we know exist in real life. Yeah. They come into Staten Island, right? And the Dimitri, the drug dealer, Kingpin, who's the leader of Staten Island, basically, he's like the big dog. Yeah. He ends up having to defend all of these people who don't want to, like, be evil and kill people mm-hmm. against the real KKK and the real neo-Nazis. Because don't you think if there was an actual purge, uh, even if it was a test case like this, don't you think like the KKK would somehow end up there? Right. Violent hate groups would go out to commit crimes. They would yes. be going. They would say tonight it's legal to kill whatever you know whatever group they hate, and they would go out and commit those crimes. Yeah. So that- and then you get and then you get the glorification of watching them die on screen. Right. 
But like you could have you could have hit home so hard. You could have hit the biggest home run with this movie just by doing that. But it's rated R for some reason. It's rated R. It doesn't really need to be because the, all the blood looks like shit. It is some of the worst CGI blood I've ever seen in a movie. It's honestly like they went on YouTube and typed green screen blood effect and then just dragged and dropped it. Didn't even track it half the time. It is fucking horrible. There's a part where it lands on the camera, but it just doesn't even. It's oh my god, it's so bad. They, they fucked up everything they wanted to do with this movie. Every single aspect. They messed up. Somehow. Yeah, I think the writing is absolute terrible. It is so bad. There's so many plot holes. There's so many elements to it that make no sense at all. There's, like, one direct line that's supposed to be political commentary, but it's executed so poorly that it's just stupid. Um, Are you talking about the pussy grab yeah, joke? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. That's it. <laughs> that they did... I swear to fucking God, I will give whoever proves me wrong on this five bucks. I do not even think they had Lex Scott Davis record that line for ADR. I think they just added it in. They were like, hey, hey, uh, can we get uh, someone who kind of sounds like her to just yell pussy grab motherfucker? Uh, that whole scene, too, is just so stupid. Yeah. Like, no one would do that. No one just goes, eh, and, like, rubs the outside of a girl's pants. Like, who the fuck would ever do that, dog? Seriously. Like, come on. Um one of the big things we, we touched on a little bit earlier, but this is like a, a big plot hole that sticks out to me that it makes no sense. Uh, so like you said, they bring out these military groups uh, like mercs and they dress them up as different like KKK or, you know, whatever, like hate groups. And one of them is just a BDSM guy for no reason. Yeah. And also after the first kill in the purge is committed, they play it on TV and I don't understand the logic of not only dressing the mercs up as hate groups or showing the murder on TV, because why would that incentivize people to go out and do anything? If I saw that the KKK was out and that this Skeletor is going out and slicing people up with his knife, I would stay indoors even more. I wouldn't go out at all. Yeah. I would do the opposite of what they want me to do. You know what else is really dumb? The new founding fathers of America, their logo suddenly looks like fucking North Korea's logo. Like, come on, man. Like, what the fuck? If you really, if you, I, I get, I get that some people think things are really bad in America right now. Nowhere near North Korea level. Nowhere, nowhere even close. They're not even in the same fucking league. And you're gonna pull that shit, and make it look like your social commentary is like so smart that you're like, look, the two party system didn't work, so this third North Korean party took over. Isn't that wild? That could totally happen with Donald Trump as president. It's like, shut up, dude. Like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. You like, you didn't earn any of this at all. And I saw people getting upset that there's like social commentary in this movie. Those people didn't watch the other three. The other three had subtlety, like to a degree. They knew how to have like a good story that made you ask yourself tough questions about like the state of the affairs where people, how people think about each other, how people act when, you know, there are no rules and all this shit. This movie it's just such a big step backwards in every way. It feels like a direct-to-DVD movie in terms of, like, how if how uh, close it hits the other three. They, they don't even feel like the same franchise, honestly. No, the writing is a massive step down, and it's weird because it's, it's so the same bad. guy who wrote the other the other three. I, I looked it up because I couldn't believe that it'd be the same writer, but it is. And uh, the writing's a huge step down. The editing is so weird. Like you said, the CGI blood is bad. There's one scene where it just cuts to black for one second and everything yeah. cuts out, and then it comes back. 
and it it feels soup. Did you see, see that when you saw it? Yeah, no, no, dude. Trust me. Editing, my favorite <laughs> thing to point out in movies. It is so bad in this. Hi, professional editor here. Whoever <laughs> edited this movie did a really bad job. Like, sorry, I'm sure they were directed poorly. I, I bet they're a great editor, and they were just directed to edit in a bit poor way. But fuck, man. I just, I don't understand how you make three movies. You have three movies in the bag, and you fuck it up this bad on the fourth one. It, it's just bizarre to me. The The blood is unexcusable. Yeah, it is unexcusable definitely. that a movie was released, wide released theatrically, with effects at that level. It's not even amateur. It is lazy. My least favorite thing to anyone's ever said about a game or a movie is to call the people who make them lazy, but the people who did the effects in this, or whoever was calling the shots on the people doing those effects, it's just fucking lazy. There's no other way to put it. There's, there's, you, can, you can see a shot in the trailer of the CGI blood when, I think it's Dimitri, slits a guy's throat running down a hallway. That's in the trailer. That is probably the best example of the CGI blood in the whole movie. <laughs> Honestly. Like, it... I, it's it's just I'm like lost for words yeah, on how it's, bad this it's pretty is. inexcusable. Especially bad. from Blum from Blumhouse, like it's from Blumhouse, dude. Like, come on, right? And it's and it's one of their they, flagship they series. A, I mean, this yeah, is the Purge is a series that they put on other movies. You know, they say from the producers of The Purge, Get Out, and like whatever, or Happy Death Day usually. But like they like this is one of their flagship series. They release one of these almost every single year. I mean, it's like. It's supposed you want to talk about the the other stupid thing in here? The Halloween Easter egg. I'm <laughs> using Easter egg so loosely. So Isaiah's a, the apartment Isaiah and I live in. It, it's in the projects in New York, and it's, it's a real bad place. Like there's ceiling drips, there's cockroaches and all this stuff. The kids' room is is literally zero decorations whatsoever, except for a Halloween poster just taped to the wall for the new Halloween. Yep. Like, come on, man. It's like, don't even bother at that point. Yeah. Like, what What a fucking weak-ass <laughs> attempt. Yeah, uh, I think... Like, now Now this movie is connected to Halloween in some way. It's just a joke. It's because Universal's doing it. Yeah, but... Uh, I mean, all, all the social commentary is terrible. It's not well thought out. It's not well written. The... The plot you can is, there's just a cock, there's a cockiness to it right yeah like, does I, that make, I mean does, do you agree with that like it definitely has it's an like, air of it thinks it's smarter than it is we've said this before but that's oh yeah that's the thought of this and this one more so than the other ones because it tries to bank off of like what the other ones did where I mean they're not perfect movies Purge one two and three aren't perfect the second one is like better than the other two by a mile and yeah the second one's the Fast Five of the franchise yeah sure. and this one tries to bank off that and be like yeah i'm like all these guys right and it's like no your writing is terrible your characters suck your action scenes are terrible the plot makes no sense i mean it's just it's a hundred percent bad to its core it tries to do something interesting with the eyes and a couple other things that are kind of creepy and then it wrecks them instantly i mean nothing that it does yeah has any weight to it and everything falls apart as soon as it's introduced it's just so poorly put together poorly executed poorly written everything about it just feels bad and then with this tv show they're just doing another purge it's just gonna be a 10-hour purge i want to see i would love to see a show on how america got so bad in this universe to where a third party swooped in and took over and it's like a fascist regime i think that is really interesting and they just gloss over it it's like a five-second montage at the beginning. And I, they use stock footage of Detroit 
in uh, the intro that's just not even like from a apocalyptic Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's like a glamour shot of Motown, uh, Motor City Casino. Okay. It's just like a, a normal glamour shot. It's like from a Chrysler commercial or something. It's like, what are you trying to show? Um, I, I kind of disagree with that point. I think that um, the idea of the purge of, yes, once a year, to wab hours, all crime is legal. I think just setting that up and just saying, yep, in this universe, this is how it works. Yeah, yeah. It works, and the more you dig into the politics, the dumber it gets and the worse it is. The harder but, it is No, to but for a TV show, I'd rather see the politics angle, even if it is dumb. Like, I, I just, I don't think you could really stretch out the concept of 12 hours is crime legal, baby. Because they had, apparently the purge was 12 hours in this, and they wrap it up in about, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, it, it skips from hour 1 to hour 12 in a matter of seconds. I mean, I think the real issue is just that the purge is getting a TV show. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, see? It's going to be bad, boy. I mean, yeah, like you said, the best thing they can do, I mean, the only way to really fill that time would probably be to hit the politics angle hard, but I don't know. I just, I don't see why it needs a TV show. I think this is so bad that it really, as little as I was looking forward to the TV show, now I'm really, uh, now I'm really scared to see what it's going to look like, so, uh, it's just bad. (laughs) It's just really bad. Uh, but good things. Uh, Dimitri, played by Yolan Noel, that that's a he's great. He should have been the main character of the movie. He is an expert in the fight scenes. He does such an awesome job. Like he does a good job acting. Does a good job with line de- delivery. Uh, I liked his character a lot. He he is a drug dealer, but he also cares about his community, which is kind of like a contradicting point. And he kind of grapples with that a little bit. But since they also introduced Naya and Isaiah as uh two main characters they don't really get too much time to flesh out their other character who's actually good um naya's actress lex scott davis she did a great job uh i think jovi and wade who played isaiah i think he did pretty good too they completely wasted marissa tomei yep uh i don't know man it just i thought we were past this and i guess i didn't see truth or dare so it could be as bad as this but i highly doubt it yeah i mean there's just such an opportunity here to make something legitimately good that legitimately speaks to people like can you imagine how upset and like how what kind of an uproar there would be if they did do a plot where like you actually get to see like when wolfenstein 2 like when you go to roswell and you get to kill all those kkk people or in uh, mafia 3 you get to do the same thing like it's it makes such a statement and they had every opportunity to do that and because they wrote the movie so poorly it's not even clear if the people who are dressed as the kkk are actually the kkk or if the government just told them to dress up like that yeah <laughs> like how do you fuck that up i mean there's all I, that's that's embarrassing there's all kinds like, of that, that inconsistencies and plot holes and contradictory writing throughout the whole thing where they'll they'll say something about one character and then they'll just do something completely different or they just forget about it and they like the next scene so it's just I mean, there's no consistency to it. It feels really, really shoddily thrown together. Yeah, and I I don't know why it's rated R. Like, why did they even push for an R rating on it when they're not going to show any gore at all? Like, it's very tame. It's yeah. just very CGI tame. CGI Blood was stupid. terrible. There, I mean, it was... The, you know what? You know what I will say, though? Soundtrack 
It was great. Okay, so I, I did like a, the a lot of the establishing shots were pretty good, except for there's one where this lady is like, "Is this the end or the beginning?" on a cardboard sign, and they spin around her for twenty full seconds. With the, uh, I don't get that. I don't know why they who like how many people watched that movie and was like, "Yeah, sign that, ship it." <laughs> like I don't know, it's stupid. But every all the other establishing shots, like there's a church that becomes a critical plot point at one point. It looks really good when they're filming it. Like uh, they lined lined up the shot really well. They got the lighting perfect. They got a little bit of fog outside of it. Uh, something really horrific happens there, but they don't show it because I guess it would cost too much money and actually take some talent to show. Uh, I would that if you really wanted to get me mad about the bad guys in this movie, I think that would have been a a great thing to show. But uh, there's there's really not that many uh, straight up kills in this movie. No. Um, Skeletor sucks. Skeletor, what a fucking dumb villain. <laughs> Skeletor is really bad. Uh, there's one character that's played up as comic relief, and she just feels super out of place whenever she says one of her jokes. I shit my pants. Ha ha. I was like. And then, what? and then the next second, they look outside the city and they're like, "Oh, all these people are coming after us." It's, like, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, okay, so, sure." Uh, it's just bad. It's so bad. She she pulls like a pirate revolver out of her purse. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's, come on, it's, it's just, just... It, there's too much going on and none of it's executed well. All I, of it's I contradictory. This. The yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish it would commit to doing one genre okay, like, you know, 7 out of 10, Yeah. rather than doing two genres, 2 out of 10. Like, it wants to be an action movie, but then it wants to be scary. And it's like, I don't want to be too scary, but I, I don't want to be too action-y. I, I, we got to do some political commentary here. Yeah, and it's all bad. <laughs> I mean... Um, I, yeah, like, I feel kind of bad saying I want to watch, like, a... Uh, white supremacists die on screen but that's really just i don't feel like there's much argument for that point that i mean it, it would at least be a villain <laughs> i think it'd be pretty cool i mean it's a villain that is very easy to you know get behind why they are the bad guy it's something that's it wouldn't require almost any setup at all and it, like are you afraid to upset them right like what <laughs> like, why do you why do you try and make them question the fact that they're part of a group that wants to mercilessly kill people just because of the color of their skin. I don't know. I feel like if your whole goal with the purge is to have social commentary, then have some thoughtful social commentary. It's it's set up for you. Like you're pulling from the real world selectively, and you have this great option to really show these people that a they're wrong and b that society is no longer going to tolerate them, and you totally bungled it in the worst imaginable way <laughs> i i'm gonna harp on this point more the the embarrassing thing about it is the fact that they not only didn't go with that but they didn't even confirm that these people are the kkk like I'd, I'd why, why, so why did you almost say that they're them? not yeah they like they show them and then they, the couple guys get killed and they pull up their ankles and they're like oh these guys are ex-blackwater it's like so they're just soldiers. And then they they try, they, they kind of dance around the neo-Nazi idea because uh, Dimitri chokes one out and then takes off his helmet yeah, and then he has blonde, he's blonde hair. It's like, uh, why, why do you got to be, like, now you're going to try and be subtle? Like, wh- why, are, why, why are they so scared? Like, what are you afraid of? 
fucking come out and say it. Say, these are neo-Nazis, and they should be killed. In the event of a purge, it's, like, you can, gl- like, I, I think, I, I'm, I honestly think that people who are the target of neo-Nazis would be totally fine if a purge movie tackled the subject and showed them dying on screen. I think they'd be fine with it, honestly. Yeah, and if right, a, and like if a, it's a movie. And the thing is, like, if a Nazi or a Klansman doesn't want to see your movie, isn't that a good thing? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's it. I don't I don't want to accuse Universalists, but it seems like they're scared to lose out on the money they'll make from those people. Like they they it's like they they thought, oh, these people are so stupid. We can put like this little this little reference to them in there, but they they won't really think we're jabbing at them, so they they won't be too upset about the movie. It, it's like. People get, people got mad at uh, Bethesda for Wolfenstein 2 for not doubling down on it being against neo-Nazis, which I, I actually was f- on Bethesda's side there because it's a fucking uh, World War II alternate game. So, like, what, what statement do you really need to make about who the bad guys are? Yeah. Uh, but I... I I, I, this movie's, this franchise is big. People watch it, they go see it, and it doesn't seem like anyone's really too keen on saying, calling Universal out on this bullshit. Like, I don't think this was Blumhouse. I, I don't think Blumhouse is really to blame here. I think, I don't think Blumhouse would re- release a movie in the state that this one was in unless they weren't really given a choice, you know? Yeah. Because they, I they've mean, proven time and time again they know what they're doing and they're on the right side of history, like with the get out and stuff. So, like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's probably backroom politics that we're never going to get yeah. <laughs> any kind this, of... This this could be such a big franchise. It, it's big, but it could be so big. It could be Fast and Furious big. Yeah. You know? But it, it just, it sucks. Yeah. Poor writing and execution really holds it back. And, and, and like, I don't want to get all political. Like, I never talk about politics. I, I don't think I've ever tweeted or anything about politics once, but... It's a franchise I've seen every entry in. I'm kind of invested in the plotline they've set up, and now I'm just, like, I'm really upset that they had such a prime opportunity to do something right with it. And to really... I, I really think people could have taken a message away from this, but it just wants to be, like, a popcorn movie more than anything. And it wants to capitalize... It, it, it wants to make money off the fact that it's supposedly social commentary, by, but also by having contradictions in the movie and being the most surface level jokey hokey bullshit like the pussy grabbing joke like yeah i mean no no subtlety no deep thought about how they actually want any kind of commentary it's like they want to have political commentary but they don't know what they want their comment to be so they just put a bunch of stuff in there yeah it it sucks that in 2018 a movie studio has reservations on making a movie where neo-nazis and the ku klux klan are are the key villains <laughs> right like they can't fully commit to having them be the bad guys like uh, that's this is embarrassing it's fucking embarrassing dude like i get that they they wanted to make the fascist regime the bad guy but that doesn't exist you know like that's it's not real Right. It's not a real thing, and you included two very real things, and underplayed the shit out of them. And I guess that because this is a prequel, uh, they have they wanted to like you know show how the NFFA came to be, but 
They don't even show how it came to be. And they barely even focus on them. The, all the NFFA shit is like shown through stock footage and then they're in an office building somewhere. Yeah, they do very little to explain any of that. Um, and then any kind of politics that they add from their point of view and how they want the purge to play out and all that doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really a bad like, movie. Like, it bo- does it bother you? Like, did the, did the movie, like, me and you, we don't really talk about politics that much, but like, did it just feel kind of disingenuous to you at all? Like, did it bug you? Like, I don't know why, it just felt like kind of dirty to me. I mean, it just bugged me because it was so bad at everything it tried to do. Like, it felt like such a cheap shot. Like, I just think that the Purge series has always been one that, I mean, they don't really try to make a big statement, but they put a bunch of little stuff in there just so you can kind of think about it. And, I mean, we all know that, like, a Purge could never happen and it would be morally wrong, but, um, I mean, the way they write the politics is just so bad, like... It just feels like they don't want to upset anybody. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to be on the, anybody's side, but they want to make all these little comments. So they're, it's something where if they would consolidate the series behind one idea and they had a message that they wanted to say and wrote the movie around that and incorporated that in the plot, it'd be much better. But it's something yeah. where they're afraid to say anything that would offend someone so they put a little bit of everything in there, and then it all just comes through as super disingenuous and just really weak. Yeah, so I, I think also a big problem with the Purge movies is that they they want to be on the scale of the Fast and Furious, right? Money-wise, like the, I yeah, feel like for sure. The, I feel like that's the easiest comparison. Uh, so, But Blumhouse's model is making small movies with big ideas on small budgets. So the budget of this was $13 million, but they want to have an ensemble cast coin. They want to shoot in New York City. They want it to be a big event, but it, it doesn't have the budget for it, and it shows. And if you look at Fast and Furious 8, Fate of the Furious or whatever, that that movie's uh, budget was $250 million. Yeah. So it's like, if you really want to commit to this being a big franchise you got to commit to it being a big franchise and put some fucking real money behind it you got platinum dunes as one of the production companies michael bay couldn't pony up a couple more million for this one you know you got blumhouse as a production company and you got universal as a distributor right none of those those people are hurting hurting for no those are all definitely big companies with a lot of money to spend so you know if it's something where they they think that this would be a series that putting that much money behind would would return them a lot. I just think that they've always made them for cheap, and then they come back massively returned. Because it's like, the first, like this movie, like you said, the budget's like around $13 million. They made that in the first day, like easily, no question. Yeah, the Purge Anarchy was a budget of $11.8 million, and its box office was $111.9 million. Yeah, so, I mean, they make insane return on investment on these movies so i don't think they're ever going to put that big money behind it they're just going to keep pumping stuff like this out because people are just going to go see it just because it's an annual series at this point yeah box office so far is 43 million so they uh they did pretty good on it yep for sure i mean it it, there's no question it was going to make money 
Remember the C4 explosion that doesn't leave anything burned at all? Remember how he shot C4 to detonate it? Wasn't that a Mythbusters that that doesn't work? It does not work. Plastic explosives are not. (laughs) And and they make it a point early in the movie to say, we have this C4 with a remote detonator, and then they don't remotely detonate it. They just shoot it with a gun, and it's... The C4 doesn't explode when you shoot it with a gun. (laughs) Yeah. I like it in the credits when they felt the need to include a a line about there being a, like the purge becoming a national thing every year, an annual thing. Uh, no shit, it's the fucking prequel to three movies. <laughs> I don't think you need to tell me that there's going to be more purges. This is this guy. Did you say for that? Did yeah. You see it? Yeah, for the mid roll. Uh, uh, so everyone did a good job on this purge. Uh, there's going to be more. Uh, see you next year. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, so. I, I, I don't know if they just assume that the audience is so stupid that they won't understand any kind of message at all. So they just have to spoon feed this dribble or what. But like this one was just so bad writing wise and message wise that I can't really get behind it in any way, shape or form. Yeah, it, the guy who directed it, his name is Gerard McMurray. And he directed... Burning Sands. I'm sure that's a gem. And Battle Buddy. Great. <laughs> Those sound great. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Time to just put this one, you know, take it out back. Yeah. Uh, I would say this is easily the worst movie in the Purge series, and I'd give it a 1 out of 5. Possibly Blumhouse's worst movie. I haven't seen Truth or Dare, but possibly. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a one. Yes. Because of Dimitri. He <laughs> gave it a whole star. So, uh, yeah. If, if you want to know whether or not you should see this movie, answer's no. Don't see it. Yep. I wouldn't even spend a movie pass on it. I, I just really think it's not good at all. <laughs> yeah, guys. But next week's movie, uh, I think we'll do a spoiler review of it. You should just buy the Blu-ray now. It's called The Endless. That might be the best movie i've seen all year honestly like that that is a fucking 10 out of 10 movie i loved it we're gonna talk about it next week so if you want to get ahead on that you should definitely go buy the blu-ray for the endless like no question uh george you haven't seen it right no i haven't seen it yet all right so yeah you you you, all y'all just watch this movie before we talk about it that's all i'm gonna say it's a crazy movie it's awesome it's really good so we'll have a good exciting show for you next week do you want to close us out george yeah Uh, As always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening.